Good morning. I'm James Coleman, and uh, what myself and others are going to be doing is sharing in five snippets uh, a passage of, of Scripture, Luke 6, 20 through 49. Um, the piece I'm going to be looking at is the, or, or talking about, is the Beatitudes, which are in... Um, verses 20 through 26. So the, the context of this whole scripture, which is a sermon of Jesus, is, is on a hillside, on a flat place on a hillside, the scripture says, uh, near Capernaum. And uh, it, when it happens, Jesus has just come down off a mountain with his, his apostles, whom he has appointed, and they meet a large group of people. The, this includes not only the, um, the apostles, but also many other people who had already believed in Jesus were there. And then beyond that, the scripture says a great multitude of people from the entire surrounding area, from over at the Mediterranean all the way down to Judea, to near Jerusalem. So there were a lot of people there that Jesus encountered when he came down uh, the side of the mountain. So um, this sermon begins with, with Jesus' Beatitudes, or at least uh, some of the, the ones that Luke wanted to emphasize. And something to note is the Beatitudes, this sec segment is different than the others that you'll hear from because uh, the others deal with kind of the, the do's and don't, don'ts, the way a, a believer should act, how he should do. Um, these really uh, present a, 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 a perspective or a mindset or a lifestyle that believers have when, when we, we come to know the Lord. Uh, Jesus specifically addresses this piece that we're looking at now to his disciples. So this was not directed at the crowd and those that didn't believe in Jesus. And another thing that these are important with, since they present the, the perspective that a believer should have in, in life and living, uh, there are blessings associated with it, with each one. And that's encouraging because life gets hard and, and these tell us what we already have in Christ. The word for beatitude or for blessing is a Greek word, makarios. It's really similar to uh, another word, uh, shalom, which is a Hebrew word that is used in greetings in the Middle East. And it carries with it a, a deep uh, deep well-being and wholeness and peace. So it's, it's a wish if you say shalom to someone, if you say makarios, the, the Greek word, and I have no idea whether it's still even used today because I think the Greek's different. But um, that would have meant I want, there is great blessing in your life coming in every aspect of your life. So let's look at the, at the verses that we had, uh, that we're, we're going to talk about, starting in um, verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. 
Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. So the first one, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Jesus could be talking on a number of different levels, and I'm going to look at two. One is material. He, he could be talking about you don't have any money. And I think that's valid uh, because throughout the scripture, God is an ally of the poor. Jesus began his ministry, and we talked, uh, John, our pastor, talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, it, Jesus quoted from Isaiah and said, God has anointed me to minister to the poor. So, so that has to be in that. But I think the most important meaning is a spiritual one. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And, and that's exactly what Matthew says in his parallel passage to that. A paraphrase that I would give for this, and uh, I think it's close, is blessed are those who recognize their complete lack of righteousness and their inability to create their own. And they turn to Christ to receive his righteousness, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith, as, as Paul says. Now, if we go on to the next two, and I'm going to take these uh, together, I think they're very similar as, as far as having different levels of meaning. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Both of these Beatitudes, uh, he says, you weep now, you're hungry now, but then the blessing is shall be. Now, shall means it's firm, shall rather than will, but it implies, or if it doesn't directly state, that as a believer, we should expect difficulty in this life. Uh, it's, it comes with the territory of living, and, and that there will be a period where we need to endure various things in our life. And, and this is where the Beatitudes are, are really a blessing to us in that we can know that there is blessing coming, and, and it's the Lord that promises that. So, so both hunger and weeping, I think, have two levels at least and possibly more. This passage also uh, is unique in that there are woes that are associated with the Beatitudes. So let's look at uh, verses 22 through 24. I'm sorry, 24 through 26. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. 
Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. These, these woes, if you notice the prior verses we looked at, they, they are exactly aligned with it, only they're the polar opposite. So, blessed are you who are poor. The woe is, blessed are you who are rich. Blessed are you who are hungry. Woe to you who are hungry now. Blessed are you who weep now. Woe to you when people... Or woe to you when, who laugh now, for you shall weep and mourn. This passage really functions to reinforce the, the beatitude, but it also paints a stark contrast, I think, between a believer and an unbeliever. Uh, because heaven is based, our being there is based on God's righteousness, which comes through faith and is something we cannot produce on our own. So I think this would encourage the disciples and it would also encourage those that were listening in the crowd uh, to, to think about Christ more seriously. So, so what should our response be to this? What, how, should we, how should we go from, how should we use this scripture in our lives? I think the main thing is, is to, to face it just like Jesus, I think, intended it for this crowd. These are not the rules, but these are the, the, the point of view. These are the reality of heaven. These are reality of the universe that God has created. And uh, we should take great encouragement from, from the blessings that are ours when we first believe. And we should uh, be motivated and, and encouraged to, to um, live a life that's sometimes hard in loving others. And some of the things that will be mentioned in uh, the later verses of this passage... Uh, love your enemies and things like that. Those are difficult, but, but the Lord promises to be with us and he promises these blessings that are in the Beatitudes. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, your word and the encouragement it gives. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God not only of justice, uh, but also one of mercy and one of encouragement, and one of blessing. And we ask you to uh, encourage our hearts and open our, our minds as we face our lives and as we live our lives to live for you. We ask this in your name. Amen.